Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Well, hey, welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. Uh, I'm here as always with the host, Todd Atkins. <laughs> and today uh, we're joined by Shane Fruitt, who serves as the National Next Gen Director for North American Mission Board. He's also a traveling uh, communicator, evangelist, and Bible teacher. In addition to that, he's also uh, an author, and including his latest book, which call, what is called Calling Out the Called, that he wrote with Scott Pace. Shane, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Hey, what's up, guys? Such an honor to be on. I was trying to think of a cool noise to make like Todd did, but everything in my head just sounded dumb. So... Hey, it's an honor to be on. Mine was less than cool this time because I had a standard intro on new churches and 5LQ for years. And that was the what? And then I stopped doing it. And then I kept getting people texting me saying, hey, you you need to do that again. But right as we were starting, Mm -hmm. one room over, there are two German short hair pointers that are kenneled up. And... For some reason, they started going off, so I was muted, <laughs> and I had to do my what really quickly. Awesome. It was good. Um, it was good. I thought it was okay. Yeah. It's right, your signature, Todd. Todd, you got to stay with it. Um, yeah. So, Shane, we're excited to have you, and um, we want to talk about your book, um, Calling Out the Called. And, you know, it's such an important topic. I know, you know, your work at NAM is all about the next gen. You know, why why is this topic important to the church? So, like, kind of fill us in on why you decided to write this book and how it affects churches. Yeah, well, yeah, it's an honor to be on, guys. And then it was, man, I love this project. Um, worked with a good buddy of mine by the name of Scott Pace with Southeastern Seminary and and then the awesome team at B&H. And, and really, it came from a conversation where really just Scott and I, we, we saw a void and really uh, a calling out the called and a, you know, a new generation of ministry leaders coming up. We didn't even realize how big this void was until we stepped into it. And now that the book is out and hearing the response, and it's been overwhelming. And we just look at statistics alone. I mean, even Barner Research and David Kinnamans wrote about this. Uh, in 1992, here's what was really eye-opening. In 1992, one-third of all Protestant ministry leaders were under the age of 40, one-third. If you fast forward to 2017, less than 15% by that point were under the age of 40. And I bet it's way worse now in 2020 because just the eye test alone through the pandemic has shown more people leaving ministry than entering ministry. And then I'm getting the, probably the same phone calls that you guys are getting on a regular basis uh, from churches. I'll probably get three to five a week from churches looking for pastors or looking for youth pastors or college pastors. Mm-hmm. And that's the same question I keep getting. Is there a void in young leaders coming up? Where are all the future uh, ministry leaders. And so I really believe that when it comes to this, God hasn't stopped calling out those to ministry leadership. I think we as current leaders have stopped asking a whole generation to consider if God is calling them. You know, it's really interesting if you look at, obviously, our guest today is, is Baptist, which is a beautiful thing. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you look at, at Southern Baptistness, people would say they're people of the book, they're people of missions, but I would say they're people of scope and sequence and development. If you look at discipleship models that were popular for the last uh, 60, 70 years, you had the formation model, then you moved to a teaching model that was dominant, and then you moved to an attractional model that was dominant. Even our most 
staunch pastors who are like, no, my sermon is going to be the same no matter what. Well, the rest of your church changed whether or not you did mm. you, you did mm. or not. We've been so affluent as a society since the recession of the 80s. We had a brief blip in 2008, and then we come to more recently COVID. But other than that, I really see a shift where we move toward buying leaders versus building leaders in most of our churches. And we move to larger churches. And excellence became the big thing and all that. Oh, Oh, one more thing. Statistically, adding to that, you look at the trough in population that's there between boomers and uh, millennials, and that's the Xers. And so those were the guys that were coming up in the early 90s that were still young, or well, the boomers were above them and, and young. But as that's progressed and moved forward, you have a lot of the, the leaders that should be in their prime right now, and there's just not as many of them to go around, number one, because of that, and number two, because of what you're mentioning here. I, I think a lot of the systems and processes and scope and sequence things that made uh, made us, we kind of got away from in the 90s and 2000s. I, so this is a really important question. How do you then, in a current model where a lot of people have been used to kind of showing up and being filled versus being lit and sent, how do you help them see that you can't use your spiritual, you can't grow into spiritual maturity apart from using your gifts and service to Christ? And just because you reach a certain level in spiritual maturity doesn't mean you're necessarily called to full time ministry, mm-hmm. but called to ministry. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you look at it on a practical level, the, the illustration I use is this, it's kind of like we're a baseball team and we don't have much of a farm system coming up. I think the most successful like baseball dynasties are the ones who are like, OK. Uh, and I know as leaders, we're like, well, I got all of this going on. So I'm just, just you know, I'm in a sense, I'm just laser focused on the baseball team, right? But successful baseball franchises are figuring out how do they get their major league team, right? Their pro team to to win and be better, but they're also always looking at their triple A squad and their double A squad and their single A squad and building mm-hmm. up that, in the words we love to use, the pipeline. They're building right. up the pipeline. So yeah, I think we focus on where we are, how do we move forward? Yes, you gotta lead your church the way it is, but what about the future and the pipeline coming up? So I think we gotta focus on both. And then I kind of see it, Todd, exactly what you were mentioning. And like, I love church history. I'm a church history nerd. I think when we look back, I would say it was more like major pendulum shifts, but probably with good intentions. I think there was a time that maybe we were better at calling out the call to ministry leaders, right? Uh, I know a lot of pastors, they would have what they called their preacher boys, that they were calling out, that they were raising up. But in a lot of, especially I think in the West, in the American church, so you know, a couple of decades ago, there was probably predominantly this mindset that, hey, the way we did church was you get saved, uh, you get dunked in water, uh, then you sit on your blessed assurances, go into a bunch of potluck dinners, 
waiting for the rapture bus to sweep down and pick us all up. And in the meantime, we watch all the professional Christians do the ministry. And the moment they do ministry and we do, in a way we don't like, we write them a little email in Jesus' name, you know? But the problem of that is in that scenario, the professional Christians is usually like a pastor, you know, because it's a single staff church or a bivocational pastor or the staff. Maybe if it's a large church, it's the staff. We watch all of them do the ministry. But then I think the pendulum shifted to go, no, 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 we got to we got to change that mindset. We got to change that paradigm. But instead of the pendulum kind of shifting to the middle, I think we overcorrected and we overshifted because then we started using language like, right, remember, missional living. Now, I think that's become almost like a junk drawer term to where, like, what does that even mean? Everybody's like, missional living, missional living. So then we started using terms like missional living. And then that's where we started saying things like this, right? Like every member a missionary, every member a minister. And it's what we would see in the Bible, what we call like a universal calling on all members, a universal calling on all Christians. Now, not universalism, that's heresy, but meaning like, hey, if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are called to a ministry of knowing Jesus and making Jesus known, making disciples, serving the church, being the church. Uh, we see that, you know, Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who are the saints? All those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus have the Holy Spirit of God. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 and 18, a new creation, the oldest passed away, behold, the new has come. Verse 18, giving us a ministry of reconciliation. Well, who is that? All those who are new creation. So I think we did good to go. We got to change that mindset. But I think what we did, Todd, is in a sense, we overcorrected to where we only started focusing on that. And we got away from what we would call in the language that Scott and I use in the book, a unique calling on some that all throughout scripture, you see how God is raising up leaders, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Deborah, Phoebe, Paul, Timothy, that God's raising up some. And then you get to Ephesians 4.11. I love the CSB translation of this, where it says, and God gave some to be prophets, some to be leaders, some to be pastors and teachers. Really, you could just lump it off as leaders that God has called some to leadership and their job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I think for a large scale, probably the last 10, 15, 20 years, we've gotten away from that unique con on some because we've only lasered focus on equipping all believers to ministry, all believers to live on mission. Yes and amen. My point is we need to teach both because the Bible does. Yeah. Those are great points. And, you know, I think one of the things that I've been thinking about as I think about this topic is, you know, especially I think as we our churches have gotten larger, it seems like discipleship has changed. And, and I don't know if we're pouring into young adults in, in high school, college students the same way that, you know, we might have when, when I was younger. Um, have you seen that in churches? And, and also I, I, there's a sense of authenticity that that might, you know, as Todd talked about churches going to excellence, I feel like we've lost a sense of people sharing their real lives, their real struggles with the next generation. Shane, have you seen that as you've kind of studied this topic? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I think early on, especially when you're thinking of like maybe preteen, junior high, high school years, I think in college there is some kind of shift to go, oh, hey, we need to really teach them to be mature followers of Jesus. I think, and I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here, I think when they're young, we're maybe focusing evangelistically of like, hey, how do we just get them to Jesus? We got to just get them to Jesus, get them to Jesus, get them to Jesus. And I'm like, yes and amen, let's do that. But I also believe that once they become a follower of Jesus, they've been bought with the blood of Jesus and have the Holy Spirit of God, is we do need to help change 
change that mindset to go, hey, listen, I know you're told all the time as a young person, you're the future of the church, right? We'll say, hey, you're the future of the church. You're the future of the church. I know what you mean by that. If we don't reach our future, we have no future. I understand that. But that's not actually like biblically correct in the sense of like if they've been bought by the blood of Jesus they have the Holy Spirit of God they are not the future of the church they are the church right now mm. they have a calling yep. of God on their life now they're called to the great commission now they're called to know Jesus and make Jesus known now some of them may be called to leadership now so we got to change that mindset to go hey you are called now and what we need to do is start discipling them that way I think a lot of times we want to dumb it down and I understand hey not using spiritual jargon and if we're going to use you know theological logical terms. Hey, use them, define them. I say use the words that the Bible uses. All right. So we really don't have to dumb it down. We need to disciple them up. I, what I found, especially with teenagers and college students is they're not scared to die young, but they are terrified of boredom. And if we make this boring, that's on us because the Bible's not boring. There's such a cause oriented generation. The greatest cause there is, is the great commission of Christ. So disciple them, disciple them up. And I always encourage people, listen, they can handle it. If they can handle algebra, they can handle some doctrine and theology. I think sometimes what the level that we're teaching them on at church versus the level they're being taught on in their school sometimes is embarrassing, if I'd be honest. So like raise the bar, they can handle it. Um, you know, as a friend of mine says this, if they can order a drink at Starbucks, they can handle some doctrine and theology. You got no Greek and Hebrew to do that. So when you think of like teenagers, man, they're creating their own brands on social media. They're, you know, if they're 16, they're operating motor vehicles. If they're 17 year old, they're in the workforce. If they're 18 year olds, I think we forget about this. If they're 18, they can serve in our military, holding weapons, protecting our freedoms. But then at church, we act like they can't do anything. So we would never say this, but practically we're like, hey, be seen, not heard. And listen, if we have that mindset, they won't be seen nor heard because they don't want to be a generation that just sits on the pew and do nothing. So listen, my point is if they can do those things, they can be the church right now. So I don't think we need to lower the bar. I think we need to expect more out of them. And that's going to come through discipleship. So I think we need to go a little deeper with them. They can handle it. So I would say, what are some of those best practices that you've seen in churches, especially for young adults and students when it comes to this discipleship? I mean, I think for a lot of people, the excuse that you often hear is, well, I don't know how to do that because nobody did it for me, you know, or, or whatever yeah. it is. But um, a lot of this has to be done by example and model. Um, yeah. So what, what are yeah. some of those models that you've seen that listeners might be able to emulate? Yeah, absolutely. And I think specifically when we're talking about calling out the call of the next generation of ministry leaders specifically or those to the mission field is I think it's just some practical next steps. First of all, I think we uh, we pray, you know, you know, we love to to share the verses uh, in Matthew nine of Jesus saying, hey, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Um, and then the next step, I think what we do is default to like, well, let's create an initiative. Uh, the labor 
numbers are few, so let's create an initiative, do what I did. Let's write a book. Let's uh, do this, do this. But Jesus said the first thing was to pray to the Lord of the harvest. So I think, number one, we start praying. God, raise up the next generation of ministry leaders. God, raise up um, future leaders of this ministry. God, raise up my replacement, um, because I think that's another thing. I think, and we can talk more about this, I think a lot of times churches react to leadership void instead of being proactive. We wait till our, we lose our youth pastor and then we go, oh man, now we got to find one instead of like being proactive to maybe raising up someone within while you currently have a youth pastor. So I think we pray, God, God you do it. God, we believe you haven't stopped calling people. Um, maybe we've stopped asking people to consider if you called them. So God, be involved in that. Move our heart, move their heart. Uh, so number two, I think we got to give back to giving invitations of this. And I'm not saying it's got to be a come forward invitation, but I'm saying an invitation into this journey, into this discipleship process. If God is calling you to ministry leadership, we got to give people an opportunity to do that. Because I think when you talk about even like college students or teenagers, young adults, is sometimes we'll do it at events or we'll do it at camps, right? We'll go, hey, we'll preach a message on ministry leadership or on missions. And then we'll give out a calling out the call to go, hey, maybe God's calling you to the mission field or God's calling you to ministry leadership. A lot of times we'll do that at events. But when's the last time you've seen that done at the local church? Now, I'm never saying, hey, we need to go back to doing this. But I will say, I think this is an area where we have not because we ask not. I remember it used to be a pretty regular rhythm in churches to give invitations of calling out the call to the mission field or to leadership. When's the last time you've seen that done in a local church? Now, I'm not saying it's got to be every Sunday, but I mean, I remember even my pastor doing it as a regular rhythm, like maybe once a month or every six weeks or several times a quarter. And this isn't a big, you know, you don't have to be a big church to do this. The church I got saved, baptized, called to ministry in on Easter Sundays would run a hundred. But now there's about eight of us in full-time ministry now that from all this small church, because we had a pastor who called out the call and was willing to spend time with us and disciple us. So I think we give invitations. Uh, I think the third thing too is testimonies. I think current ministry leaders uh, should start sharing their testimony more of how God called them to ministry leadership and how God equipped them in their journey. Think about it. Even as leaders, we're always sharing our testimony of how Jesus saved us or how we started following Jesus. But when's the last time we've even shared our story to people about how God called us to ministry and the journey we're on in ministry leadership? And then I would say number four in that would be opportunities to serve. Um, let young people and young adults start serving. Give them a seat at the table. Uh, raise their leadership capacity because I've often found that typically calling will reveal itself in serving. So when people are going, man, I love this. Like, I just feel so alive when I'm serving the church or leading or making disciples or teaching the word or man, just really um, edifying the body of Christ. Like when I'm doing that, I just feel alive. And then you go, well, man, man, maybe God's calling you to this. Have you ever thought about that? That God may be calling you to ministry leadership. So sometimes God re reveals his calling within serving. So I'd say give young adults an opportunity Hey, I know like they're young. Will they make mistakes? Yes. Will they do dumb things? Yes. Will they run late? Probably. But that's what discipleship's all about, you know, and people gave us opportunities to do those things. And then number last, I'd say number five on that, have a game plan. Um, because exactly, Dan and Todd, what y'all said is so true, is a lot of times we'll even pray for God to raise up ministry leaders within our ministry. We'll invite them, but we don't have a game plan of what to do with them. 
So there's even times where I can be speaking at college events or youth events, and we'll do a time of calling out the call. And without a doubt, nearly every time I'll have a couple of youth pastors or a, co- a couple of college pastors, young adult pastors go, hey, man, I just had 10 people surrender to a calling ministry, or I just had five people surrender to a calling of missions on their life. I don't know what to do with them. Um, so I think part of stewardship is inviting them to the table is also having a plan for them once they get there. You know, I think that's a, a really good point because over the years, you know, we can remember different stories and strategies that, you know, were, were kind of shared on a, I don't know, a church wide level movements that maybe didn't go as far as they would if they went beyond the story and the strategy and to structure and systems. And so a lot of people do feel exactly what you just said. So when we look at surveys from 10 years ago um, to surveys that were just done post COVID, the number one thing that pastors want say they need is leadership development in their churches, volunteers and, and, and leaders. The, and they say they don't know how to do it. And it's a massive issue. It's not yeah. that they're not smart. It's not that they weren't, you know, trained well uh, themselves. It's they don't have something that they can put into place to move them forward. So what are some real life examples that you've seen of churches that have been able to do that? And what are they doing? Yeah, yeah. I think it's being laser focused on like who you are, you know, so I know a lot of times some of the, the just kind of the quickest advice that I give back to a lead pastor or college pastor, youth pastors is the, the best thing you can do is two things. First, first step should be teach them to walk deeply with Jesus. Uh, I think spiritual disciplines is incredibly important. It's been cool to get so much feedback um, on Scott and I's book. And one of the things we keep hearing over and over is like, hey, this is almost like a spiritual disciplines book. <laughs> We're like, exactly. Like the first thing we can help young people do who feel called to ministry leadership is to walk deeply with Jesus. Because I think what we've done sometimes is we default to go, oh, well, hey, let's find out what your gifts are. Uh, let's find out what your talents are. Um, hey, let's find out what your passions are. Hey, let's find out what your leadership aptitude is, or let's find out what your leadership lid is, and, and let's help expand that. And all those things are great, but if we don't help them to walk deeply with Jesus, then all we do sometimes is create really gifted and talented people. And I think that's where we get to some of the issues we see today of so many people falling morally or so many people burning out or even leaders completely rejecting the faith because on some level we've helped cultivate really gifted and talented people. And because of their gifts and talents, it's put them on stages and platforms and positions that maybe their character and integrity wasn't ready for. So I think the best thing we can do is help people walk deeply with Jesus. One of the greatest advices I ever got, I was 25 and a youth pastor, newly married was, hey, love your family. If you lose your family, lose your ministry anyway. So serve them, lead them, pour into them first. And then the second one, um, I probably shared this 10,000 times over was, you walk deeply with Jesus. So meaning focus on the depth of your ministry, let the Lord take care of the width and platform of it. So I think the churches who are doing it well um, are teaching young people how to walk deeply 
deeply with Jesus and to go, hey, here's the model we want you to learn from day one is that you always be at your best when you're leading, serving, teaching, making disciples, organizing, whatever, out of the overflow of your own worship of King Jesus. The second thing I've seen that's been super effective along with that is just let them shadow you. You know, so some people go, I don't know. I don't know what to do with these leaders who feel called to ministry leadership. I'm go, you are in ministry leadership. So you're doing it. Just let them shadow you. And I think sometimes, and it's well-intentioned, we get distracted with even like what we're doing in our daily lives. Meaning this, sometimes, um, you know, I may talk to a college pastor and go, hey, um, and they're like, hey, I got 10, you know, students in my ministry that feel called to ministry leadership. I don't really know what to do with them. And I go, well, let them shadow you. And they'll go, well, my plate's kind of full. You know, I'm discipling this one kid who feels like he wants to be a lawyer uh, and he wants to live on mission in the marketplace. And uh, so I'm, you know, I'm discipling him. I don't really have time to add others. And and then all the kindness I can say, go, well, why are you the one discipling a young man who wants to be a lawyer and live on mission? Lawyer? You don't know how to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not a Christian lawyer. You're not a lawyer living in the marketplace. Like, so go find them <laughs> a lawyer who lives on mission in the marketplace and let that person disciple them. You don't know how to do that as a college pastor, you know? So I'm saying it's like those who feel called to ministry leadership, I know you only have so much time on your plate. Like you're the expert on that. You're living that on a daily basis. So pour into those students and those students that want to go live on mission in the marketplace. Praise the Lord for that. We're not talking about a varsity team and JV team. We're saying it's all equally important, just different roles and strategies, how they're going to live their lives. So find them experts who are already doing that to pour into them and open up your calendar to really pour into these students who feel called to ministry leadership because you're the expert on that. You're daily living it. I do think that it's important. Yeah, I think if I look back at my life and look at the people who made me who I am, a lot of those people weren't pastors. I mean, some were, um, yeah. but a big part of that was exactly what you just said. It, it was, hey, I'm going here and doing this. Come with me. And then talking about it a little bit, it may have been better. It was very intuitive. Uh, it could have even been better probably if it was intentional sure. and they had some questions to walk through or debrief afterward. But a lot of it was, hey, this is come over to my house for the next three hours. We're going to be doing, you know, whatever. If I'm yeah, helping them do something time. in their yard yeah. or just being around their family, watching them discipline their kids or interact with their wife or whatever. Um, I'm thinking one of one couple in particular and man, I mean, that just made all the difference in, in who I am. And they didn't necessarily realize it at the time, probably, but you look back and you see that, you know, I, I look back at my own life and my, my dad's bivocational, my uncles and cousins and almost everybody is bivo in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. And a lot of them, I don't want to stand behind them in line in heaven because they've got these little churches and um, yep. they're consistently baptizing people. And you look over the years and you're like, how on earth did that little church, just like you said, produce three pastors, you know, in the last mm -hmm. dozen yeah. years? You're like, how, how does this even happen? Well, because they have their boys and they take them along with them wherever they go. And these guys, a lot of them don't end up in seminary. They're too busy yeah. farming and factory working to do that. And that is one of the best things that people can hear from this 
there's not a JV and a, a, and a varsity. Um, that's right. And serving the Lord and being a good steward and, and shepherd over those that, that, um, that have been given to you is, is vital. And just doing something, pick up this book, pick up Oswald Sanders, spiritual leadership, like just yeah. get some kind of thing and walk through with them and watch God work in that person's life. Um, and I, I know you had one of the cheat codes that somebody gave me on that very thing you're saying was like, cause I think all of us as leaders, we look at our calendar and literally go, I cannot add anything else to my calendar. And so the cheat code was like, Hey, don't add more things to your calendar. Um, invite that person into your calendar. So, Hey, you're doing your thing. You got your calendar, invite that person into it and let them come along. And so, man, I got a young man like that. And that very thing right now, he just graduated from Texas a him. He's an Aggie. That may excite some listening. That might be a prayer request for others. Um, but got a business degree. He was about to go into law school and God called him to ministry and he feels specifically called to preach. So we're getting him in seminary. And then I said, hey, just jump on the road with me. You're going to start traveling with me um, because that's where you're going to learn. And so, yeah, just invite them into your calendar. Yeah. That's awesome. I, and I, I've, I've seen that um, in friends of mine that actually at the opposite thing happened. They felt this really, they felt a call to ministry and they found somebody to mentor and to, to shadow. And in doing that process, they realized that's not where the Lord had called them. Um, yeah, so I think it works right. both ways. And I think that helps, yep. um, you know, long-term, you know, a lot of people criticize like, Hey, are we pushing people into ministry that shouldn't be, or they're seeking fame or they're seeking something else other than what God's calling them to do. I think, like you said, bringing them alongside of you, you can help you know, figure that out and, and speak into their life and, and kind of affirm that calling or help push them to where God also might have them be. But, um, you know, Todd's question earlier reached, you know, our fourth question that we like to ask here is how does this, kind of, you know, work in terms of a big church context? And also, how does this work in a small church context? Are they the same? Are there differences in terms of how we should be calling out the called? Yeah, yeah. I think the the overall things that we talked about a while ago work the same, whether it's a small church, big church, uh, you know, whether it's an on-campus ministry, you know, you think of college, those on-campus ministries. I think the principles of praying, invitations, testimonies, opportunities to serve, uh, game planning, I think it's the same, no matter what ministry context that you're in. I think sometimes the opportunity to maybe lead and teach um, sometimes can be more complex in a larger church because there's different levels of leadership. You know, I mean, let me give you an example. It's like whenever I was, you know, 22 um, and felt God calling me to ministry and specifically to preach, I was able to go home to my home church my home church pastor, a small church. And uh, I say, pastor, I think God's called me to preach. I think God's called me to ministry leadership. And he said, hey, I've known that. I've been waiting for you to uh, be obedient to that. And then next thing he said, scared me to death. He said, you're up in six weeks. <laughs> you know, cause this is a church, you know, small church that was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night prayer meeting, you know, and where you'd go over the prayer sheet for 45 minutes and pray for five. <laughs> I mean, we all, you know, remember that. But he goes, you're up in six weeks. So, I mean, I remember, it was a Sunday night. There was probably 30 people there. 27 of them were my friends and family. I stumbled through Psalm 23. Uh, it took me about 14 minutes. I think I said amen 82 times, not even with, you know, an exclamation point with a question mark looking for affirmation as the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. Listen, it was terrible. It was awful. But 
it was a pastor who gave me an opportunity. He walked with me. He coached me up. He pointed me to scripture, helped me walk deeper with Jesus. And he let me fail over and over again, or not even fail. He let me not be polished over and over again. You know what I mean? And like to grow and shape in that. Now, I know in some contexts, because maybe of the scope of their ministry or the size of their ministry or the platform of their ministry is it's really hard to put really unpolished, um, for lack of a better term, communicators on the stage to get those reps in. So I think in those settings, especially if you have people that go, I really feel called to teach the word. Or I really feel called to preach. You have to be creative to go like, all right, how are we going to let people do this? Because here's the deal, especially on the preaching side of things or communicating side of things is you can watch videos, you can listen to podcasts, you can read books, but nothing is going to develop or hone that gift and craft and calling like reps are. So how how are we giving these young people reps who feel called to do this? Because I think a lot of times, even if they feel called, they don't have an opportunity to exercise that. So when we're helping them go, okay, what do you feel really called to? Where's your gifts, your talents? How are we giving them opportunities to do that? Some churches I've seen do it really successful that are mega churches or multi-site churches is to go, hey, we got you know five of these uh, young men or we got 10 of these young men and women and we're going to let them practice teaching and speaking to each other. We're going to let them like build messages messages together. We're going to let them uh, do this and practice with each other. So how are we letting these people who feel called ministry leadership get reps in? I think sometimes that can be even more complex the larger the church is versus smaller churches. Sometimes they're looking for all the help they can get. So you have a lot more opportunities sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that's important. And if you have somebody that wants a title before a towel, that's a good yeah a, for sure it, it's also a good way that's to ferret that out because i can remember getting to go not having to go getting to go to nursing homes and you Absolutely. know doing the once a week thing there for my church or doing like whatever early on and it was all about figuring some of that stuff out and you know mm -hmm. that it's really important, guys, too, uh, especially if if you have somebody who is really wanting it or seeking that, that they yep. put in some. I'm not saying you purposely. Well, you do whatever you need to do in raising that person up. And Absolutely. sometimes that means stretching them in different ways. Sometimes it means stretching them and putting them into a place where, hey, I know this is not polished and I, I'm going to have to maybe pick this person up afterwards. And sometimes it may be, hey, you're a little big for your britches. And so we're going to put you over <laughs> for here. Sure. For sure. It's knowing the person. It's knowing the person and what they need in the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so important to have like God called leaders and not what, what I would call like grandma called leaders. You know what I mean? And so we, we all had those probably grandmas that were like, baby, you're going to be the next Billy Graham. You know what I mean? And then you get people that go into ministry thinking that, you know, or aspiring to that. And maybe it's not even God who's called them. Maybe it was grandma who called them or a friend or a parent mm -hmm. push them in. And so I would, one thing that we do address in the book is like, how do you know if God's calling you? Uh, to ministry leadership. And I think there's got to be those, there's three affirmations. And we say, hey, I really believe you don't need one of the three or two of the three. You need all three. Uh, you need what we call inside affirmation.
inspiration that comes from the Holy Spirit himself. Like God has to call you. Listen, friends, if you jump in the ministry leadership and God hasn't called you to that, it is not going to go well for you. Um, so God needs to call you. So there's that inside affirmation where you just feel this burning of the bones. You just feel this passion for the church and you, and you want to give your life away to this. Um, and then secondly, there's outside affirmation. And that comes from trusted leaders, uh, men and women in your life who are more mature than you and further up the road than you. And they say, man, I see this in you. Do you see this in yourself? And I think that's where we can play that role as current leaders when we see that or discern that, that we ask good questions. I think it's more effective to ask questions instead of declaring statements. Like we shouldn't go, hey, God's called you to ministry. You need to quit running from that because that could cause confusion because they may not have that inside affirmation, right? So I think that's why we ask good questions. Hey, do you see this in yourself? I see it in you. Or you have this passion. Like, do you feel God's calling you to ministry leadership? And sometimes God speaks through those outside voices in our life that are healthy to affirm what he's already affirming on the inside. So that outside affirmation. And then thirdly, what we would call like op opportunity affirmation. I really believe a calling to ministry leadership, you don't have to chase it. It chases you. You know what I mean? And so if you go, man, I know God's called me to preach, but he's never opening a door for that. And others aren't affirming that in your life. Like then you got to ask yourself, is this just me aspiring to this or wanting this, or I'm trying to seek some kind of platform? Or is God opening doors of opportunity for you to serve? God's opening opportunities for you to lead. God's open opportunities for you to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So I think there's inside affirmation, outside affirmation, opportunity affirmation. Absolutely. Last question for you. Is there any other recommendation, uh, recommended resources for, for us or final thoughts that you want to say in addition to your book, anything else that you would recommend? Yeah, yeah. There's so many. I feel like there's so many great resources out there trying to help you discover if you're called to the things we've been talking about, the call to ministry leadership. I mean, Jason Allen's got a great book. Dr. Orge has several uh, books in that. Dave Harvey's book I thought was super helpful. Uh, Al Moeller and them have a great book from um, from Southern Seminary. Um, those are great resources. Um, and so that's why we even took kind of a different route with our resource to go, hey, um, maybe you go, I am called to ministry leadership. So what next? What does that mean now? What steps should I take? And so that's why we wanted to take more of that route. And then also uh, we wanted our resource to be a, an equipping resource for equippers. Um, and so we all quoted, uh, oh gosh, Jay Oswald Sanders, the spiritual leadership book. Uh, we quoted that multiple times in the book. I love that. I think that's one of the best. There's so many great resources out there. Uh, one thing we do want to make uh, aware is that there is a supplemental resource to our book. If you just go to callingoutthecall.com, just all written out, spelled out, callingoutthecall.com. There are those 10 videos on there, especially for people to go, hey, I, I have some people in my ministry who feel a calling to ministry leadership. I don't really know what to do with them. There are 10 short videos on there that cover different topics. And really those videos are to equip the equippers to help you think of what to do and how to journey with these people who feel called to ministry leadership. And then each one of those videos has a mentoring guide that goes with it um, for each of those topics. And on there is additional reading recommendations obviously a lot of scripture there's even questions to consider as you're meeting with that person and walking with that person and journeying with that person and then um, one of my favorite parts of it is opportunities to consider because we're trying to think and be creative like how can I get them to serve or with some opportunities to help them flourish in our ministry and so there's even opportunities to consider on each one of those mentoring guides and that's found at callingoutthecall.com 
Awesome. Well, Shane, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. It was so great to to hear yes. from you and, and encourage everyone to go and purchase this book, um, Calling Out the Called, um, or, or give it to somebody else in your church that you think this would be a good resource to. Share this podcast with um, somebody you, might, you think might need to hear this message today. But I'm um, super grateful for you, Shane. And thanks for everybody for listening. We'll hope to catch you next time.